0: Welcome to It's the ADHD Friendly Show, where we explore all things productivity, well-being, and live in our best damn ADHD lives at home and at work. My name is Karen McGill. I'm a certified ADHD life coach, and I'm here to help you do life better. Happy Friday, y'all. I hope you had a fantastic week. I'm recording this from the backyard of our house rental in Palm Springs, so if you can hear some birds tweeting in the background, that's why. I got a big smile on my face, because... I'm just happy to be here. Palm Springs is a real happy place for me and I'm going to be seeing friends over the next several weeks. So all good on this end. This week's podcast is something that uh, has been cooking up in the back of my mind for a little while and it's something that I'm going to be spending a lot more time unpacking over the course of this year as I continue to learn and explore and understand more about uh, neurodiversity and how to absolutely thrive with it. And it's my hypothesis that managing ADHD is 80% nervous system regulation and 20% mindset management. When it comes to nervous system regulation, that's really about accessing our prefrontal cortex and getting the most out of our executive functions. And that is a big part of learning how to self-regulate in the moment when our amygdala is in a fear response, but it's also creating habits that support a healthy, healthy, sustained nervous system over time and building resiliency and understanding your own unique wiring, which also leads to your energy management, right? Like knowing what drains your energy and what gives you energy. This is all part of that biology of managing your nervous system so that you can show up as your best self. But that 20% mindset management is also really important. It's managing your thoughts and beliefs and really staying present to actually understand what those are and adopting a growth mindset so that you can build self-trust and improve your self-identity. I also think a big part of mindset management is creating those strategies that support both your mind and your nervous system. Those are the habits that you have and the systems you build to support a sustainable lifestyle. And that's predominantly what I break down in my program, Distraction to Action, which is a roadmap specifically designed for an ADHD brain that needs that element of structure to build those systems. So with all of that said, I'm excited to share today's podcast, which is predominantly a success story, but is also a breakdown of the process of coming to terms with your ADHD and accepting it so that you can start to build your own roadmap towards nervous system regulation and mindset management. We talk about the stages of grieving and processing what could have been, but then I also talk about the dangers of staying in that mode and not moving forward into that process of developing a growth mindset where you accept where you are and start looking for ways to compensate for potential weaknesses or limitations so that you can build a life that truly works for you. So on that note, I'm going to get into today's episode. I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you right here next Friday. Do you struggle with way too many ideas and no clear plan of getting any of them done? Is overwhelm paralyzing you from moving forward with your dreams and goals? Well. You're not alone, my friend. That was me too for the first 50 years of my life. But once I had my diagnosis and a concrete reason for my lack of follow-through, I went ham on trying to find a way to manage it. And that is exactly what I did. Today, I am organized, I'm thoughtful about what I take on, and I am living my best ADHD life as a result. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it is intentional, it's consistent, and I have a lot more peace because of it. And I want that for you too. Distraction to action is my short fun productivity bootcamp designed especially for the ADHD brain. It is loaded with ideas and tools based on the latest research on how our neurodivergent brains work, and it can help you unlock your own ADHD brain so that you can focus on what's most important and finally follow through on your juiciest goals. Find a link to the program in the show notes or go to itsadhdfriendly.com forward slash D2A. That's letter D, number two, letter A, which stands for distraction action. Head there now to get your focus on and become a follow through ninja. Now back to the show. So I just recorded a video. It's not up yet, but when it is, I'll link it up here somewhere. But at the end of the video, I just happened to mention this unofficial process of Grieving an ADHD diagnosis. And I think it starts with a sense of relief that you now know why you've been struggling for so long. And this is particularly for those of us who are diagnosed later in life. Then, after you have that initial relief, you go into this process of mourning what could have been, right? Like if you had been diagnosed when you were in school and had the appropriate accommodations to thrive or medication support, coaching therapy, whatever else you needed, if you had those things, things would have been so much better. And even if people understood what you were going through, things would have been so much better. But clearly that wasn't the case. We just kind of struggled in silence until we grew up and learned compensatory methods. So in that phase of the processing of a diagnosis, when you are diagnosed later in life, I think it's a really important part to go through, right? Like grieving what could have been and what isn't. And I think we all go through it. I certainly went through it myself. However, the danger of staying in that place of grieving what could have been when you don't make that transition to the next phase of accepting that, okay, so this is what I've got. I've grieved what could have been now what can I do with my brain? How can I learn to live a good life knowing now what I know? When you don't pass to that phase, you get stuck in the grieving phase. And when you stay in the grieving phase too long, you start to build this identity of being a victim of this idea around, I have ADHD, so I can't hold down a job. Or I can't finish anything I start. I can't follow through. I've disappointed so many people. I've disappointed myself. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And when you get stuck in that mode and you argue for your own limitations, that is exactly where you will stay. And the more you argue in your defense, the more you dig your heels into that phase of your ADHD process, right? So As much as I have so much compassion for anyone in that phase, and I've seen it in my coaching practice, I see it in the comments, in social media, underneath my YouTube videos, when I suggest something or a tool or an idea, either people are going to accept it as, oh, this is a good idea, or they're going to think it's not a good idea, which either way is fine. But then there's always those folks who are like, oh, that's a great idea for some, but it would never work for me because I can't do X. I can't have a routine. I can't follow through. I can't trust myself. I can't do anything, right? So they're not even really paying attention to the potential solutions. They're mired in their identity of being somebody who has failed so much that they have absolutely no sense of self-trust or interest to try something new, try something different, to get to that next phase of, okay, this is where I'm at, this is what I have, now what? So you see what I'm saying? I can hear it in the voices of those folks who have not yet come out of that phase, that are stuck in a victim mindset. And I was thinking about this this morning when I came across the most powerful Andrew Huberman, an interview I think I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot and they're really long, but wow. It was an interview with David Goggins, who I didn't even know who he was prior to this interview. I had actually seen his book on bestseller list, but hadn't made the connection to who he was. And I still don't know a lot about him, but what he shared in this interview about who he is and where he came from to who he is now completely blew my mind. And I think it's required listening for anyone who has an ADHD diagnosis, not because I think you need to be David Goggins, because I don't think that many people can be him or would even want to be him because they're not coming from the same life experience. But the point I would like to underscore here is that he was in that victim mindset for too long. He was stuck in the I can't, I won't. And, you know, I'm just going to stay who I am right now, which was somebody who was 300 pounds overweight and extreme learning disabilities, couldn't read or write. He had every opportunity to give up on himself because he was starting from so below baseline. If you want a good example of somebody who has transitioned, from that phase of, I can't, I won't, it will never work for me, to I will do whatever it takes, you got to go listen to this interview. Because there's no way that you can listen to this story and not see that if it can work
1: for him, it can work for you, too. Please. I'm going to real. So, I'm not a real smart guy. And what I mean by that is, I was born with ADD, ADHD. Oh, like, my brain cannot retain information. I'm not some genetic freak when it comes to running, when it comes to lifting weights. I am absolutely the bottom of the barrel. I was the lowest form on earth. No talent, no ability to learn, and I literally know what it is to be rock bottom and to build that up. So I think
0: it's important to acknowledge where he is in his own life. He acknowledges that his brain is different and that he can't retain information, but it doesn't stop him. Instead he acknowledges that he has to work harder and he can compare his abilities to someone else and say, that person can do it so much better than me, but it doesn't stop him from doing exactly what it is he wants to do because he wants to do it. Again, I don't think this is for everyone, but the takeaway has everything to do with this this phase of accepting who you are. Andrew Huberman asks him to talk about His own self talk and how he practically gets himself to do everything that he does now. He said that the most important thing that he did was learn to understand his brain. He accepted that this is who I am. These are my limitations. And I don't want to be who I am anymore, which was overweight and undereducated with no hope of a future and doing a lot of things that he wasn't proud of. But he was able to move himself through those stages. And he was able to accept who he was, what his limitations were, and take action anyway and move forward even though it was hard and it sucked. And it continues to be hard and suck for him. And he's got a beautiful relationship with embracing the suck, which I think is pretty inspiring. Again, I think there's few people that could be as intense about these things as he is. But the true beauty of what he shared is not even the fact that he accepted who he was. The true beauty was that he got quiet, he went inward, and he listened to who he was. And he listened to what he wanted to be. He got clear on that. He set a clear goal and had a level of focus I don't think I've ever seen even in a neurotypical person And he moved towards that goal with conviction, with a no matter what attitude.
1: So the process of going inward, cutting oneself off, when you're in there, you say it's just you. And then at some point, it converts to action. What is the process of picking the action? So every single day, I'm literally going with my mind and I'm creating this this masterpiece. And the masterpiece is always myself. But to do that, you cannot have any distractions. Because if you're talking to an artist and he's trying to think about the next painting, he he can't. It's impossible to listen to you and listen to what your mind and body are telling you we must do. People don't do enough of. They don't do any of it. They, They lack passion, drive determination because you haven't spent time with yourself. Your mind will tell you what is next. But you haven't spent the time to go, Let me just figure this out. You're looking for. Let me Google this and let me Google that. You're not going to find it there, because there's billions of people in this world, and they're all supposed to be individuals. We have a pack mentality. That's why you're
0: so lost. He's talking about intuition and listening to what lights you up, ignoring what's out there and tuning in to what's in here. Heart-based goals, thinking about what you're interested in, what you're curious about, what you stand for and what you'll fight for. What's the hill that you want to die on? These are the things that we need to go internally to find out. There's nobody else out there in the world who can tell you what's most important to you. So building that sense of internal dialogue and intuition is so important for you to realize who you truly are. So what I'm trying to pull out here is not necessarily that he chose to live life on hard mode every day. That was his personal choice. I think the magic of what he shared was that even though he had an incredibly distractible brain, he was able to figure out what he wanted in life, narrow in on that goal, and no matter what, move towards it. So I know that sounds antithetical to the type of brain that we have, but I wanted to share his story and just a few clips of the interview, because I think it's so important that we see these examples of mastery and to know that no matter what you're working with right now, if you're willing to accept that this is where you are, if you're willing to put aside all of the struggles that you've dealt with to date, because today is a new day and whatever you choose to focus on going forward is entirely up to you. When you're willing to cross that bridge and make that connection to the acceptance of who you are and really just listen to what you want in your heart and go after that, you really can move mountains. And I've talked a lot about this in uh goal setting videos, where I talk about having one focus at a time, and that's because it acts as a forcing function for you to choose the most important thing for you in a season of life. The fact that he was able to choose what he wanted to be and move towards that with precision and persistence, not necessarily consistency. He doesn't really talk about morning routines and nighttime routines, he just talks about maniacal focus, which is something we are so capable of when it's something that we want. So again, this comes back to everything that I've been saying. If you can really dial into what it is you want and go after that with the level of focus that you can go after a video game, go after it. And I know you're sitting there going, but I don't know what it is. And to that, I will say the same thing I've been saying all along. Experiment, go deep, start Spending time by yourself, journaling, try meditation, go for walks without your phone. Think about what it is that lights you up that you're interested in. Just follow a curiosity and take that curiosity to the next step. Not with the identity of I have ADHD, so this probably isn't going to work, but with the identity of I have ADHD, I understand that I have limitations, but I also know that my brain has the ability to lob onto things and hold onto it like like a dog with a bone when I find something of interest. So start exploring your curiosities from that lens, as opposed to, I can't, I can't, I can't. Because anytime you pull that lens up, the lens of I can't, you will immediately shut down any level of curiosity and say, it's not for me. It'll never work because I can't follow through. So that's true of work, whether you want to be a full-time employee or you want to be an entrepreneur or just hobbies, interests, creative pursuits, anything in life. And maybe your creative pursuit or your dream isn't a moneymaker. That's fine. Find a job that supports your ambition so that you can work on your creative pursuits without worry of whether or not it's going to pay the rent. That's when true creativity has the room to explore and do what it, it was meant to do. So what is so compelling to you that you're willing to go out and find a job that you don't hate, but you don't necessarily love because it supports the creativity and the passion for the thing that you want to do? What is that thing? So I feel like this interview brings so much inspiration. Again, I'm not as an intensive of a person as he is. Maybe you are, or maybe you relate to his experience more than I can. All I know is if David Goggins can do this, you can too. So that's what I have for you today. I hope it was helpful. Thank you for listening. For links and resources for this podcast, please visit it's ADHDfriendly.com or click the link in the show description. Please also be sure to subscribe so you get automatic updates when new shows are posted. And of course, please do leave us an ADHD-friendly review. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.